Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Polykeg, the best performing and easiest to use one-way keg on the market. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit our website at thisweekincraft.beer. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Danny from the Beak Brewery in Lewis, East Sussex. The Beak was launched in 2014 initially as a nomadic project by award-winning food and drink journalist Danny Tapper. Danny perfected recipes on his one-barrel kit in the Yorkshire Dales before cuckoo brewing at the likes of North, Burning Sky and Northern Monk. Having built a strong UK following, this summer the Beak opened their brewery and taproom, which includes a mixed fermentation project in Lewis, East Sussex. Danny, please introduce yourself and tell me about your beer journey and how you came to start The Beak. So I'm Danny Tapper. As you mentioned earlier, I used to work as a, a food journalist for many years. I ran The Beak Brewery as a nomadic operation for about four years. Initially, it was actually a homebrew project and I tried selling my homebrew to various people quickly realized that you needed a license to sell beer and that's when I invested in like a really small nano brewery so 100 litre kit yep. and started brewing recipes in the Yorkshire Dales near my hometown of Ilkley nice yeah um, and it was basically a suit of homebrew kit so yeah I started on the nano brewery and I just used to deliver my beer locally using a kind of VW polo round you know Shipley, Bradford, Leeds and obviously, and then as the shopping trolley I saw uh, mentioned, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there were quite a lot of occasions where I'd sort of pull up on double yellows in the centre of Leeds <laughs> and just have no way of getting the beer from the polo <laughs> to the bar. So, yeah, there was a couple of occasions where I had to kind of like borrow slash take uh, supermarket <laughs> trolleys and then quickly kind of grew out of that and it was a nomadic operation for about three years mm-hmm. and in the last year we've received investment to set up our own project in Lewis. Fantastic were you still on your own when you were at the nomadic phase or? Did, yeah yeah uh, yep. I, I definitely by myself so we're a two-man team now Mm-hmm. So as soon as I got investments so at my own place, I started looking into getting a head brewer. We'll probably get onto this later, but I think like a really important piece of advice I was given quite early on sure. was like, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm by no means a trained brewer. I'm right. like self-taught. And there's a really big difference from being a home brewer and a professional brewer. And so although, yeah, I can... I could go into breweries and brew a beer. Mm-hmm. There's people out there who can do a better job than I can. And so the first thing we did when, well, first thing I did when I got investment for the brewery was to start hunting for a really good head brewer. Right. And so the head brewer we've got at the moment is a guy called Robin Head Foreman. Right. And he, he used to be the lead brewer at Burning Sky. Mm, so that's great. Great credentials. So there's two of us now. <laughs> it's a two-man team. Yep. Fabulous. So I'm just trying to get a sense of your location. So you're in Ilkley. Did you only move down to Sussex at the point that you were establishing the facility in, in Lewis or were you based in the South before? Oh, that? It's quite ridiculous, really. So I was living in London at the time because my wife and I were both we worked in the, the media. The media, right. And so we lived in London, but I had access to a free, like the corner of a warehouse back home. Okay. So it's kind of crazy, but I used to drive back to Yorkshire on a weekend oh and brew goodness. on this nano brewery, 
drive back like a week later. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started nomadic brewing with people, uh, not only in the north, but also like down south as well. Yeah. And that's so the three year nomadic operation was very much like I was based in London at the time. Okay. Right. But to kind of like de stress, my wife and I used to go down to Lewis. Uh, like we went to Bonfire Night and just totally fell in love with it. Right. I don't know if you've ever been. I have. Yeah. It's, it's a lovely place. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those places you go to and it's like we just fell in love with it mm-hmm. straight away. It's really beautiful. Yeah. It's got a really thriving independent scene. It just feels like a really special, unique place. Right. And it's really good for hiking too. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we just fell in love with it and just moved down here. We didn't Mm. know a single person. Nice. I was like, this is where where the brewery is going to be because it's Mm -hmm. just the perfect town. And also, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of support for independent businesses. Right. So we were like, yeah, the place is, you know, it's right for a a good microbrewery. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, really, because it's a town of 18,000 people, so it's pretty big for a yep. town. And yet, there was just weirdly no other microbreweries, apart from, obviously, Harvey's. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, it just like felt like it's got this great brewing heritage. It seemed like the right place to do it. Right. Absolutely. So before we get into the brewery, let's talk a little bit about your background. And as you say, you were a journalist, but particularly focused on food and drink. So give me a sense of how you got into that and how that's shaped your, your beer journey. I was never really into food growing up because hmm? uh, we didn't, we weren't from a family that like sat around sipping natural wine and going out for nice meals. <laughs> I grew up with a single mum and it's very much as you did right <laughs> got more yeah. important things to worry about than <laughs> i'm sure she what did, your yeah. dinner tastes like mm. even though it's very nice but i got into food probably like round about post uni right. when we were living in london it was a really exciting time in the food scene so mm-hmm. you had like a lot of it sounds over the top calling it a wave but like the third wave coffee mm-hmm. movement uh, and obviously that's when the whole craft beer movement was kicking off as well yes. so we lived just around the corner from colonel brewery right and we remember the first weekend that Evan lifted up his roll shutter and he just had this oh like fold out table, yeah, yeah. a few bottled beers that he mm-hmm. bottled himself. He was literally just sat there and we just bought a few beers, uh, took them back to the flat, mm-hmm. cracked them open and never tasted anything mm-hmm. quite like it before. But I'd always been into beer because my family, we used to sort of eat out at pubs quite a lot. Right. And so my first experiences of beer were very like really good cask beers in the Yorkshire Dales. Right. Yep. So from a very young age, I always had like a real love for, for beer. Okay. I mean, me and my friends, when we were 17, we had a, a like group of people called uh, Pride, Pride of the Ales. It's uh, <laughs> Pride of the Dales. And it was basically a folder where we rated different real ales so when we were 17 we used to get on the bus go into the dales and like rate different ales it was very nerdy Um, yeah yeah so there was that like i always had an interest in beer but when it really kicked off in london when we were living down there right that's when i became really interested in it and realized that beer could be this altogether kind of different thing right and if i'm honest you know i didn't really know what hops even tasted like before I had (laughs) you know beer like the kernel yep because you know in like classic pint of bitter hops meld kind of beautifully with the malt so yeah yeah it's not the overpowering flavor that's for sure it's not about hops Hmm. and so when when you know having that beer was really revelatory and just 
got me really, really into food and drink again. And as did like sourdough bread and started visiting a few nice restaurants. And round about that time, I started a magazine called Bread and Butter, which was okay. um, it was kind of aimed at people who ran street food stalls and right. like small food businesses. And off the back of that, I just basically got quite a bit of freelance food writing jobs. Right. Nice. Yeah, and just ended up yeah writing about food. Before that, I was at the Guardian uh, doing current affairs, writing about current affairs and, and right. film as well. Okay, working for the Good Food Guide, so I got to right. visit lots of nice restaurants. Nice, yeah, uh, that's not a bad gig. Is meet, it? meet heroes like Fergus Henderson and other amazing chefs. I uh, got to travel the world, going to amazing coffee producers and winemakers, and actually that was what inspired me to turn my hobby into a business. Right. Meeting and interviewing all these people was just massively inspiring for me. And I just thought, you know, I want to be the person yeah, getting because, my hands dirty. Yeah, they, I mean, they're all entrepreneurs, aren't they, in their own yeah. right? Yeah. And the other thing that's always interested me about brewing is not just the making of the beer, but the running of the business in general. So I think like a lot of people who set up breweries are first and foremost brewers. Yes. And they want to spend their days like digging out mash tuns, mm-hmm. getting dirty. And, you know, like, I love all of that, but I think there's also a lot of other aspects of running a business that I really enjoy, you know, like meeting new people, coming mm-hmm. up with ideas, just like socializing with people and learning new things from people in the business, yep. just talking. But yeah, like experience of Colonel was, was a really big factor in getting into beer. That's nice. It's great to be at the start of something like that, isn't it? You, you've been associated with Borough Market as well, I guess, for a number mm-hmm. of years, haven't you? Borough Market is just, it's such a magical place. Oh, it really is. One of my favourite places in the world. It's definitely my favourite place in London. You just go there and you Mm. feel like you're, you know, in the 1800s still. And (laughs) there's all these amazing smells. And Neil's Neil's Yard Dairy Shop is just, like, incredible. But, yeah, there's definitely something really special about the food scene in London. It's like five, six, seven years ago, and there was just a lot of excitement. There was kind of... For me, it was like democratization of good food. Right. So it felt like, to me, finally, good food is accessible. and You don't have to go to a Michelin-starred restaurant right. to have an amazing flavor experience. So, yep. you know, like pairing a really good cheese from a British producer from Neil's Yard with, right. with let's say, like a Colonel Expo Porter. And you're like, in terms of flavor experiences, like there's not doesn't really get, doesn't much, get much that better can than that. Match. No, and no. it's like, what does that cost? Like, eight pounds and you've had like one of the best sensorial experiences like you can have so yeah absolutely that that was the food scene that i was involved in like that side of things very nice and yeah so borough market we i ended up doing quite a lot of writing for them Mm -hmm. and eventually they started this new project where they were growing hops like in the center of the market itself okay and the idea was to create a beer with a sense of place right so like hops growing in certain in of london <laughs> is obviously like an incredibly hard thing because they're just so hard to grow anyway but yeah so they started this project and the idea was to they commissioned me for three years to make three different beers right using these fuggles hops and then made with ingredients like sourced from some of the traders in borough market okay. nice and for me, that was like my dream project. Yeah, that's just a nice working with all these yeah. amazing food suppliers. Yeah. But yeah, that was cool. That's how I met the guys from the Rake. Okay. Uh, yeah. Richard and Mike, Johnny Park from Tap East, who's now right. Villages Brewery, mm-hmm. and then 
in other years, of, yeah, with that same project, we've done collaborations with Partizan right. and Villages as well. So, okay. yeah, nice. it's, a, it's another just like great way to meet other people in the industry. And that beer is only available at the market? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty small project, but it's a lot of fun. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Talking about beer, we should probably talk about this one that we're both drinking, Danny. This is yeah. Parade 6% IPA. Tasting notes I have are saturated in Citra, Mosaic and Idaho 7. Mm. Uh, it's really delicious it's a lovely vibrant citrusy ipa it's definitely got some sort of stone fruit flavors mm. as well hasn't it it's a, just a nice level of sweetness nice moderate carbonation i think it's just a really well put together ipa what's your thoughts on it what's the origin of it it's awful it's <laughs> it's um the i think like the idea behind this ipa we describe it as mercurial and i guess that the original idea was it was supposed to be like an ever-changing IPA where we'd be playing around with the hot okay. profile. Mm-hmm. And actually, we just love the combination of Citra, Mosaic, and Idaho 7 mm-hmm. so much that we're actually just not going to change the, Don't mess with the it, hot no. profile. Uh, <laughs> but we just haven't got around to changing the, the descriptor on the label. Mm-hmm. But we're definitely changing it, though, all the time. So obviously, the hot profile is only a really small part of, right. of it. Yep. So we're changing the way, like our processes all the time. So I think this most recent batch that you're drinking, we mashed slightly higher. So you're just getting a little okay. bit more residual sugar, right. a bit more mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. We've lowered the carbonation slightly. Okay. Which I think with New England IPAs, as soon as you start increasing the carbonation, it just really doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, quite like low carbonation, lots of residual sugar. Right low sulfites, high high calcium chloride, so kind of silky smooth. With this as well, like another thing we've realized is that for the first two batches, we used quite a lot of cryo hops. And it's actually that kind of raw diminishing returns. So I think the more it's tempting as a brewer sometimes just to chuck loads of cryo hops into something. And yes, you get loads of aroma and loads of high notes, but without adding the kind of T90 pellets you kind of lose some of that body okay so this most recent batch we've reduced the amount of cryo ops and just replaced it with way more t90s okay we're both massive fans of ipa so we just wanted to have a house ipa that we would want to drink at home all of the time yeah and inevitably this is the beer we end up drinking all of the time but i think like like all of our beers what i would say is it's like a work in progress and i think that's like for me, the attraction of craft beer is, I think, even like beers from the big craft brewers, they're always changing. Right. It depends on what generation of yeast you're using, what mm-hmm. crop of hops you're using, how high you mashed, what the weather was doing, the temperature yep. of the, the brewing vessels that day. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what I would say is it's like a journey that we're on and hopefully the people who like us are on that journey too. Definitely. And I think you've got license to do that, haven't you, as a craft brewer? People expect you to be tweaking and tinkering and evolving. To uh, a certain extent, although people don't hold back, you know. (laughs) We've got one local who he emailed last week by saying, oh, I noticed the uh, parade's changed. What have you done with parade? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I quite... I respect that though because it's yeah you know, it well it's nice that they bothered to reach out yeah, that's, yeah. That, that is good so this batch is on your own kit whereas yeah. the original one was with brewed at burning sky i think i read yes yeah, so we've done three batches of parade and the first mm-hmm. one was at burning sky okay mm-hmm. which was that's quite interesting we're saying it like 
one of, it must have been like one of the kind of juiciest beers at that time to come out of Burning Sky. Quite possibly, yeah. Because obviously, <laughs> like Mark, you know, he's not always been into like massive juicy pale ales. So no, to go in and produce a beer like that, we were like, we felt like we were dirtying his kit right. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, like talking of Mark's, like be, he's been a really big supporter. Like, so right. to have have someone like him behind us has just meant so much. Really, he was okay with you poaching Robin, was he? As, a, as your head, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like I guess like I think with Robin because obviously Mark's head brewer at Burning Sky, and he'll always be the head brewer there. I think you know Robin's like young, ambitious yeah. brewer. And so I think Mark understood that and we're doing, we're doing something pretty different to those guys as well. Sure. So, but yeah, like I say, he's just been, he's just been a great, great supporter really. That's I mean, nice. he, he yeah. was down, down at the tap for last Friday, just, yeah, cracking open a few <laughs> bottles of mixed firm 75 centiliter bottles. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been really good. Lovely. So let's talk about your setup then at Lewis. Um, you've been there since the summer or open yeah. the tap room in the summer when when did you actually get the keys to the brewery there well it was kind of the worst probably the worst time in brewing history to set up a brewery <laughs> so we uh, we got the keys to the brewery two weeks before lockdown oh my goodness yeah so yeah we signed a it was like a 10-year contract mm. with a five-year break clause for this industrial unit you know it's a terrifying thing it's like Mm. the biggest investment of my life right sure and then two weeks later boris johnson comes on television and announces the lockdown Mm. and i'd spent a year working on a business model which was Mm. based on pre-covid times sure yeah and so literally overnight well the next day i had to sit down and just replan the whole business model create a website web shop Mm-hmm. and just trying to figure everything out how we were going to do it so it was, it was a really scary time definitely yeah um, and in the original business model we never really factored in the idea of a tap room we were kind of like yeah we might open it on a saturday and sell a couple of kegs yeah like, who cares set up a table like kernel style at the front yeah <clears throat> but actually when we opened in august the first weekend we were like because we're in lockdown Mm-hmm. Well, we've been in lockdown. It's yeah. really important to cultivate a local following. And obviously, a tap room is a really important way of doing that. Sure. So we, the tap room has been open since the beginning of August. Okay. And we've been brewing there ever since. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're getting like, we've been getting kind of 300 people every Saturday. Nice. We invite a different restaurant, a really good local restaurant to come down. So that's been a really important part of the right. project. Yep. Obviously, with my background... Mm-hmm. We really wanted food to be important, like yes. a, an integral part of the tap room. So every restaurant that comes down, they pick a dish that is like orientated around a specific beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've just got like a really great team of bar staff as well. And we've always just said to them from day one that it's like customer services. We might be on an industrial unit on the outskirts of Lewis, but mm-hmm. if you can kind of offer good beer, and good food and really friendly, inclusive, welcoming uh, right. service, then it doesn't really matter if you're on an industrial estate. No, people, people will come and they'll come back as well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's been great. It's been a lot busier than we thought. Yeah. We just had to invest in a new tank, which is nice. Nice. So, so how, you, how big's your broken? It's 15 barrel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're getting about 2,100 litres packaged per Okay. 
and the majority of that goes into can and then we usually do about 10 kegs per fermenter right keep those kegs for the tap room pretty much and a few Mm -hmm. local pubs so yeah pretty much everything has been small pack which i'm glad we've done now because obviously with this next lockdown coming that's going to be a really important source of revenue for us definitely i think like the kind of beers we make just lend themselves quite well to small pack Mm-hmm. They're quite strong, they're quite bold, the sort of beers that you like sip and like savor a little bit. So right. they work really well in on draft, especially well the lower beers like Lula, but I think like the bigger yep. beers we make, it's just it just works well in a can. Definitely. And you you're using mobile canning at the moment, are you? Or? Yeah, yeah, we're using yep. them that can. So yep. that like mm-hmm. obviously presents its own set of challenges. <laughs> um actually those guys have been amazing, but it's yep. They're in so much demand. That I know, like, yeah. It's been an down. unbelievable year for them. I, I, I've interviewed them actually for, for another uh, podcast that I do, yeah. So, was, that, was that Jamie and Mark? Uh, Jamie and Mark, yeah. 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 Let's talk about mixed mm. fermentation because obviously that's something that Robin can bring yeah. from his Burning Sky days. But what does that represent at the beak and what can we expect to see from that? Well, we, like, even though we've become a little bit known for pale ales, we don't just want to be a brewery that makes pale ales. Right. Um, Yes, I love drinking IPAs, but I think that would just become boring after a while. <laughs> so that's why we've been kind of making West Coast IPAs, okay. you know, export quarters. Mm. We've got a lager in the pipeline, various other styles. But the other the other thing that really excites both both of us is creating beers with a sense of place. Yes. And we're based in so Lewis is the county town of the South Downs National Park. Mm-hmm. And so we're surrounded by all of these incredible food producers. It's a visually just very beautiful part of the country. Yep. Loads of great farms, vineyards, butchers, like mm. restaurants. And so we thought it'd be a real shame to be based here and not to create beers that somehow channel those things. Yeah. So later this year, actually probably early next year, actually, we're going to be launching a new project, which is going to be a little bit like a sub-brand of the Beat Brewery. Okay. And so it's going to have that like same beak ethos of being like playful, creative, trying to not, not take ourselves too serious. But then the focus will very much be on mixed fermentation beers that show a sense of place. Right. And so in practical terms, what that means is we're currently looking into buying a concrete fermenter, like a wine fermenter from right. Italy. Okay. So I think we're going to be the first brewery in the uk to ferment in concrete mm-hmm. um and the reason we're looking at concrete is not only did the the industrial estate we're on at the moment as far as industrial estates go it's actually pretty beautiful it's surrounded by these massive chalk cliffs <laughs> with uh, peregrine falcons that live oh, wow. in the cliffs and the reason those cliffs exist is uh it used to be like a concrete works okay and so we firstly want to channel a little bit of the, so the, of the heritage place. of the, the place yeah but also the reason winemakers use concrete is because you get like it's slightly porous so you get some like micro oxidation right so but at the same time it doesn't give the beer any kind of wood flavor so what it does is it gives you this great like base mother mixed fermentation beer okay. uh, which you can then siphon off and give further character by racking it into you know like wine barrels yeah. mixing it with seasonal fruit sure and so we wanted to have this like clean minerally mother mixed firm beer right which will constantly top it with fresh yep. saison mm-hmm. yep um and then yeah do really interesting small batch beers mm. with each batch 
Oh, wow. Um, Sounds fantastic. So yeah, that's the plan. That's what we're really excited. And we've got pretty ambitious plans for it. So we, we really want this to grow and become quite like an integral part of the business. Right. And the inspiration for that comes from like a lot of US brewers, like thinking people like Grim Ales, right. Forest and Maine. Yep. Where they, they, yeah, they do with these kind of like great IPAs, but that's not their focus. No. Know? I think you can get a little bit, I think people can get a little bit obsessed with trying to create the perfect New England IPA, mm-hmm. you know. Like, <laughs> I'm, I, glad, I know I'm glad they're doing it, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not all doing it, yeah. Yeah, or just doing it. I mean, yeah. fair enough if that's all you want to do. I'm going to judge you for that. But mm. just personally, it's. I think we'd just get a bit bored yeah. if we were just trying to create the perfect New England IPA mm-hmm. all the time. And yeah, like, I don't know, do you have like a few things are better than like a really good mix firm? No, I absolutely on. agree. Yeah, no, I, I'm fascinated by that and can't wait to see uh, see what you're going to start turning out. Looking at the content that you wrote for Market Life, Borough Market oh, yeah. magazine, I saw a, an article where you were talking about your fondness for, for barrel-aged beers. Mm. Uh, so is yeah. that something that we can expect to see from the beak? Definitely barrel aged beers. So, like, if going back to this idea of having a mother saison, yeah, we definitely want to then have different expressions of that saison using different wine barrels. I'm especially interested in in English winemakers as well. We're surrounded by some really good, yes, you people, are, yeah, like Tillingham and Westwell, and just yeah, get some of that like wood and grape like expression in there as well. Not only that, but also serving beer from the wood. Right. So last Saturday, it was Halloween, and we had uh, we, si- we siphoned some of the export quarter into a wooden cask from the right. Evening Star Pub uh-huh. in Brighton. And we reckon this cask was from the uh, mid-40s. Okay. And so we filled it and just, oh, my God, like the porter was just tasting absolutely incredible. And we served it through a, a sparkler, okay. which is, I don't know how you have it in Reading, but back. Where I'm that's from, a Yorkshire thing very much isn't it yeah yeah I don't you don't see sparklers very often in in yeah. Thames Valley pubs I'm afraid but, <laughs> but I, I'm just a massive advocate for mm. sparklers I just there was but anyway we served it from yeah from this wooden cast yeah. and just the character you got from oh it I mean it, so... it injects so much life into the beer doesn't it it just oh you know, I think it just brings yeah. out the flavors yeah well I'll say it's kind of like the difference between listening to like a cd or mm. like vinyl like it's mm. just an entirely different experience right. and yeah. like you said the beer was kind of had all this like earthy soily like damp not damp kind of some kind of rainy victorian cobbled street oh wow well. like, <laughs> you know, i don't know how you can explain it maybe no. just the barrel hadn't been clean Sounds for so great. many years yeah yeah uh, and just there is something yeah just really i don't know really amazing about how drinking beer straight from the wood mm, so yeah it's something we'd like to do more of and what about on the sort of the big dark beers side as well? I mean, are you going to are you making Imperial Stout? Mm. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. So we've got a Imperial Stout in the pipeline, which we're okay. going to do in the next two weeks. Nice. Called Oopla. Mm-hmm. And Oopla, it's a 10% mm-hmm. uh, version, essentially, of pencil. But we're going right. to be putting in loads of vanilla okay. and coffee from a really amazing roastery called Pharmacy, local roastery. Right. Um, and we are currently looking into doing a bourbon barrel mm. version of that. So we'll see where we are. Nice. But yeah, that's that's all in the pipeline. Excellent. And you've got room in the tap room for barrel 
stores have you you know nah, not, not more, no <laughs> no <laughs> there's no room for anything really uh how, how big's your unit i should have asked you uh, back it's only two thousand three hundred square foot okay so it's pretty small yeah we've got so we've built in provision to double capacity so to buy three more fermenters but unfortunately that'll mean less room at the tap room yeah so we have to kind of be careful not to fill the space too quickly uh-huh. um, and the other thing is I don't want the brewery to grow too quickly because no. we never, I know it sounds like a cliche, but you don't want to like compromise on the quality of the beer. And that's my biggest worry is it just turns into a big stressful operation and you just lose the focus on quality. Yep. And I think in this day and age, like people who like craft beer are pretty unforgiving of breweries that lose their focus on beer. So yeah, it always absolutely. has to be yeah. about the, the quality. Definitely. No, I completely agree. Let's take a break, Danny. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Polykeg, offering a simple solution to deliver your beverages around the world in prestige condition. Available in sizes from 12 to 30 litres with connectors to suit any market and with a nine-month shelf life, Polykeg is your number one choice for one-way kegs. Ready to fill, upside or downside, with built-in pressure relief for extra safety and recycling. For a free sample or demonstration, call 01388 433 433 or visit www.polykeg.com. So I'm back with Danny from The Beak for the second half of the show. Danny, let's talk about branding because I think The Beak Man is highly distinctive. You just mentioned it actually a moment ago as we were chatting at the break there. I think in a world where your beer needs to stand out, at least your beer packaging, let's say, needs to stand out in an increasingly crowded shelf or fridge, wherever it's being presented for sale. I do think your branding is is a great asset. It's highly distinctive, charming in its own way, but just completely unique. So where did it come from? And do you plan to evolve it? What's the, the next steps with the Beak Man and the branding? So yeah, quite a lot of people who come into the tap room like always ask, uh, "What's the what does the beat man mean?" Because <laughs> it doesn't relate at all to the name of the brewery, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the reason we called it the Beat Brewery was because kind of growing up, we I, as a home brewer, a lot of my friends used to refer to the beer I made as Beak because it had a like strong American influence, and mm-hmm. a lot of American beers have golden eagles on. It's quite tenuous, this, but my friends used to call um, American beers beaks and okay. European beers borgs. It's just a joke we had when we were kids. And so I was like, oh, it's just a beak brewery. Mm. That's what it is. And it also ties in with the cuckoo aspect. Right. Like heritage yeah. of the, yep. So that's the name. That's why it's called the beak brewery. It's nothing cool. to do with birds, really. No. And then in terms of the logo, the artist we work with, he's, he's a friend from back home called Jay Cover. And he's way bigger than the brewery in the in like illustration circles. He's quite a big deal. And right. for us, he's just initially did it all as a favor and we're just good friends. And the remit for him, when we asked when I asked him to design design a logo, I was like, just create something that doesn't look like a brewery. Mm-hmm. And so that was the main thing. Please do not do not want it to look anything like that. Don't a want brewery. any hops on it or, or any hops, no, no any fermentation beards. vessels, no. Yeah. <laughs> and what he created was the Beatman. Mm. Is the logo you see on all of the cans and the glasses. And yeah. straight away, we like I just fell in love with it. And it's kind of reminds me of something you might see on like a wine bottle from two decades ago, French wine bottle or yeah. something. It's not yeah. immediately; it doesn't scream beer. Mm. 
And basically, it's all it is, is it's symbolic of like an, a walking, you know, itinerant brewer holding a big bottle of booze yep. and a book of recipes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of people ask what he's holding, like the book, and it's basically supposed to be a book of recipes. Okay, nice. Um, and it just kind of stuck. But even the branding on this, uh, on the pencil cam, which doesn't have the big man, is still, yeah. it's still in the same sort of cartoony style, isn't it? And I think that, you know, yeah. it, 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 there's consistency there and and just it, it's clear and yeah, we think it, we want yeah. it to be clear, definitely. Yeah. Like <laughs> sometimes when you're looking at some labels, you're like, what beer is this? Hmm. And I spent, you know, two minutes looking around on the label, but yeah, it's good to know what it is. <laughs> Um, Especially you haven't got your glasses with me. At least that's my problem anyway. Yeah, trying exactly. to like, what's the ABV of this? <laughs> um, so yeah, just wanted to keep it simple, easy to spot, and that's a playful. I guess is important. Definitely. Um, I think in terms of the label size as well, uh, I know we're by no stretch of the imagination the first brewery to make small labels on a can, but right. We, I think there is something about a 440ml can that just looks quite cool. Yeah. And so we wanted to show off the can because I think, I think so. Like I a... think shiny and pleasing as well, aren't they? It's a bit like the way, you know, American Airlines for many years didn't paint their planes, did they? Yeah, they just, yeah, just exactly. had the natural, yeah, that's true. shiny yeah. aluminium or whatever. It's, uh, it's I an think object in itself. There's a certain charm to that, yeah. Yeah. And so he's he does all of our labels and the way we commission him to do the artwork is so instead of creating a beer and saying can you create this artwork to reflect the beer we do it the other way around so we actually like pick his existing artwork from his portfolio oh, okay. of work so he plays around and we think if we did it the other way it might feel like we were shoehorning him a little bit mm-hmm. into kind of something that he didn't want to do and okay. we did try that like at the beginning and it just didn't quite work so instead, we like look through his body of work and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, this initial sketch is really interesting. I think it could look great. And then the beer name quite often comes from his illustration. Fine. So yeah, it's actually yeah. t- flipping it on its head a little bit. Because mm-hmm. the last thing we want is to have like a bunch of labels where they just look like they've been designed by an agency. Like yes. it has to be about what looks good. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing as well, as you say, he's a busy guy. It's less demanding on his time to, exactly, to, to, to choose from his existing body of work. So that, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's less demanding too. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And that leads me quite nicely, Danny, into asking you to profile the beak in terms of what's unique about your brewery. What, what really differentiates you from, from the masses? Oh, I don't know. It's, that's a really difficult one. <laughs> I always find that like the hardest mm. question to answer because like, everyone likes to think they're special and it's doing something different and the fact is there are like 2,400 breweries in the UK creating small batch Mm -hmm. craft beer (laughs) most of them but at the end of the day like I guess we make beer that we want to drink and that excites us and we're small and we're like dynamic and we really focus on quality and consistency Mm -hmm. and I know I keep coming back to this, but also like this idea of playfulness. Right. So we, you know, we don't want to get stuck in a rut where we're just creating the same old beer. We're we're out there enjoying and loving beer. Like mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, we're like first and foremost, like people who love beer. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, we're not actually that different from the people who drink our beer. We're just <laughs> nerds who yep. like to drink beer. And sure. we like artwork and 
we like hospitality and food and we like sitting down with our friends and having a beer and having a chat. And I think that's why probably every single person listening to this podcast is into beer, I imagine. Sure, yeah. And so, yeah, we just, that's it really. We just want to create like really good experiences. And the unofficial slogan for the brewery is like life-affirming ales. And it sounds... It sounds like a bit over the top, but I think like at its best, like a good beer can be like a life affirming experience. Yes. In in the right circumstances with the right company. Yes. um, It can be as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just about the beer, of course. It's about, yeah, like you say, Mm -hmm. the company, the atmosphere, the environment, Mm -hmm. uh, even the branding, the glass you're drinking it from, you know. But together, like when all the stars align, it can be just a really great way of improving, improving your life. Yeah, like, obviously, you have to be careful what you say. Alcohol can destroy lives, but let's face it. Um, but you know, yeah, when the stars align, it can just be a really beautiful thing. Absolutely, that, that's what we hope to be a small part of that. Yeah, no, I like that. I think you told me several other things, you know, not to sort of repeat the conversation we've already had, but the fact that you're about to start a mixed fermentation project fermenting in concrete is is pretty unique. Yeah, um, I suppose that is, yeah, like on a practical level, yeah. there are things that make you... You know, the fact that you, yeah. you know, half an hour ago confessed that you actually like the business side of running a brewery mm. as opposed to the brewing, that is also, in my experience, fairly unique. I, I, it's the first... You're the first brewer that's told me that. So oh, really, yeah. Well, <laughs> I hate the admin side of it. Right. At the moment, I just do so much admin. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's like maybe, I guess, if I was to like pick some like specific things that might set us out instead of being all romantic and not answering <laughs> the question, uh, would be that like we definitely do have a strong focus on like quality and consistency mm-hmm. in terms of like, Yes, our beers change a lot, but we always like try to produce them to really high standards, which is right. why we have like Robin involved. Yeah. So yeah, even though we're kind of playful and dynamic and creative, we like to think we're still trying to aspire to be like prof- a certain amount of professionalism. Yep. And so we like create our beers to standards that we would expect like larger breweries to create their beers to right like we were just talking to me and robin were talking today about thornbridge for mm-hmm. example and like in a way that guys like them are like heroes to us as well because even though they might not be the the coolest kids on the block <laughs> they create amazing beer yeah. amazing quality and they love they love beer at the end of the day yeah so they're not always doing the coolest thing i think you have to be careful when you're setting up a brewery sometimes like people say oh it's hype we're getting like this hype mm-hmm. beer and people posting i've got parade it's like mm-hmm. a hype beer. and as soon as you say that you're setting yourself up to fall because you can only like have that hype for so long yes it's hard Effectively, to sustain it for, for 20 exactly. years like thornbridge have done or so anyway yeah and you have to take yeah. it out to people like mm-hmm. that yeah i agree yeah absolutely so yeah Maybe we'll be hopefully here in 20 years' time. We can have the same conversation. Nice. I look forward to that. I'll make a note. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about this beer, Danny. This is Pencil 6% India Porter. I've got a very, very lengthy list of, of tasting notes and ingredients. I'm not sure if I'm going to read it all, but it's, it's a six. Go, on, go for it. All right. And the beer is layered with six <laughs> varieties of roasted crystal and chocolate malts, plus Chinook and Columbus hops for flavors of coffee, molasses, cow cow. 
pine, fresh tobacco, wood burners, damp, cobbled Louisian streets, (laughs) autumnal riverbanks, and Leonard Cohen's spirit cabinet. (laughs) So it's those cobbles again, isn't it? We're we're back to the cobbles. Yeah, yeah, back to the cobbles, (laughs) the wet cobbles. You can't stop me. I'm addicted to them. Uh, I mean, I was quite pleased with the Leonard Cohen spirit. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Made me chuckle that one. But it's a lovely, clean India porter, isn't it? It's, it's, it's yeah. got some really nice roasty flavours. I mean, everything that it says there, basically, it's it's a really tasty beer. I'm looking forward to, as you say, letting it warm up a bit. Uh, I, I left yeah. it in, maybe left it in the fridge longer than I should. Yeah, I would say have this beer at cellar temperature. Mm-hmm. Well, you very kindly sent me two, so I'll, I'll get another one yeah, out and, 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 and sort of maybe, maybe drink it almost yeah. at room temperature next time just to get the full experience, yeah. yeah. But this, was, this beer was inspired really by i guess like kernel export quarter right and, you know yeah. to even be like one percent of what that beer is <laughs> i would take that as you know kernel do so fabulous porters they? they do and like that is the inspiration like when you drink you know export kernel export port you, mm. you do feel like you're back in london you know borough market on <laughs> on a rainy evening mm. you know licking the cobbles and licking the cobbles <laughs> listening to leonard cohen um and that's kind of, I guess, what we wanted to do. And like yeah. Lewis has a great heritage of creating porters as well. Mm-hmm. Like we're a real, real big fans of uh, Old Ale, right. Harvey's Old Ale. Mm-hmm. So that's like the thing. Like a lot of people drink here. It's only available, I think, for like two and a half months of the year. Okay. In yeah, midwinter, yeah. and Very it's just season, like yeah. it's kind of smoky, like slightly peaty, lots of layered like crystal malts. But it's got with it being like a southern casper, it's got quite a strong hop character as well. Right. And again, with kernel, you do have that strong, like piney hop character. And I think in a, a stout, this is, I guess you could call it almost like a black IPA, but it's maybe it's just more, it's like a cross between a traditional porter and a black IPA. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hoppy enough to be virgin on the black IPA. Yeah. Mm. So we're happy with this, and this is going to be like the base beer for our Imperial Port. Okay, as well. nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's six different roasted crystal malts in here. So we've tried to like lay it. Obviously, it's all about the malt. So yeah. We just try to like layer it up as much as possible. Mm. And then in terms of the yeast, this is fermented with actually in New England uh, oh, yeast. So it's called, well, yeah. New England IPA yeast, London yeah. Fog. Yeah. And again, just like that, because of the like residual sugars, okay. uh, loads of hoppy aroma. Um, that's kind of our house yeast now, actually. Right. Yeah. I think it's lovely. Let's talk about social media and online ratings, because you guys are currently ranked 31st in England on Untapped out of whatever it is, 1500 breweries. So that's pretty good going. You know, you get generally very positive coverage on Instagram from what I've seen. How much attention do you pay to that and how much do you engage with it? I try not to pay too much attention to it because I don't think it's like healthy. I don't think mm-hmm. it's good for you like, <laughs> mentally. Uh, yeah, to like always listen to what everyone says. But that said, I'm not like, I've said this before, I'm not inherently against like untapped. A lot mm-hmm. of brewers are against it. But actually, I think it can be quite a useful tool to gauge like what people think of your beer. And although there's like a lot of kind of bullshit on Untapped, I think if you actually listen to what people are saying, you can actually get some pretty good advice from there. And <laughs> at the end of the day, like they're the people drinking your beer. So it's important to know what they think. Definitely. Um, so I'm kind of like on the fence, really. Like I think it's it's useful, but I never comment 
really no. well haven't commented for like every year on anything because you just get you can't please everybody you know no. at the end of the day and i think you have to take everything with a pinch of salt so like if you get like 24 and a half star reviews that actually doesn't make you feel that good it's more just a sense of relief yeah and then you get one like bad review and it ruins your night <laughs> so it's like there's almost no point of checking no. it like so sometimes i will like just check in to see like what people think about beer mm-hmm. and if roughly i know that we've got an okay rating i will think oh well we're doing something right yeah but then like some of my favorite breweries in the country have a lower rating than we do on the taps and i yeah. just think that's absolutely ridiculous because i think they're incredible breweries so yeah. it's like you really do have to like take it all with a pinch of salt yeah. if you for, for instance like lagers and mixed firm beers mm. get rated lowly yeah which is well, especially lagers mixed firm yeah you know, some mixed firms you know, Jess the king doesn't seem to struggle no. too much with their ratings but it's <laughs> but some of the mixed firm some of the more like nuanced like mixed firm stuff doesn't really get yeah. rated very well no and it's the same with lagers and you're like actually this lager is like a work of art yeah it's as good like, as a lager can be and it's yeah. you know, and, it, and it's still averaging 3.3 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's something going wrong there but exactly. it's, it's uh, instagram's really positive generally. yeah i mean you, you guys get great instagram profile as well love. don't you i think people really yeah. are generally very positive about you on instagram which is nice i've had we've had some like really bad reviews like uh before we set up the brewery like when it was a nomadic operation mm-hmm. There was like a batch or two that got oxidized when we were canning and quite rightly people flagged it up. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, it is useful. And like, I definitely learned from that. I was like, oh, the stress of going through that again. I don't want yeah. to do that. No. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's the usual thing. There's like a lot of positivity, but then there's a few very negative people like, who use those like forms of social media that, so you just have to be careful not to like listen to it too too much. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a fair summary. But it's an extraordinary opportunity to hear direct feedback from your customers in mm. a way that most industries don't have. So yeah, you know, yeah. You, if you completely turn your back on it, I think that's a mistake. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah, I think there's it, a lot of like egos out there, like in terms of like brewer, brewers historically do have like egos and i think yep. they're kind of like i will produce the beer i want to make yeah and sort like whatever anyone else thinks and in a way like i respect that but also i think in the day and age like we're living it's very hard to like run a business mm, well it depends whether you're trying to run a business or just exactly. to please yourself isn't it it's- yeah so it's 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 a fine line because then if you just create beers that like everyone that's like crowd pleases or it's going to get you a great rating on untapped so that's just boring and yep. not really be very like authentic to yourself so no i mean if you know if yeah. you only cared about your untapped ratings then all you would brew is is imperial stouts and double ipas yeah, exactly. and you know and yeah. uh, you know triple fruity goser every once in a while yeah, and you know exactly. and, you, and you're, you're fine aren't you, you automatically yeah. boost your ratings by exactly. 0.2 and 0.3 across the board but it's well i guess you could compare it to like the music charts it's like mm. do you want to create like pop music like yep. do you want to who is it who sells the most records or like is it there has to be a certain for me like an element of passion and or it just becomes boring like mm. that's an interesting comparison actually i like that yeah yeah let's talk about what we can expect from you for the remainder of 2020 and heading into 21 obviously we're now heading into a, an uncertain period of lockdown 
So you're going to be focusing in on your small pack, obviously. What have you got in the tank and what have you got coming up that we should be excited about? We're going to be focusing a lot more and kind of getting some of our more regular beers out there. So we've had quite a lot of requests for beers that we've made in the past that we haven't been able to produce at the moment. So quite limited in terms of capacity. So like now we can focus on putting more beers out like Strangers. I don't know if you've had that before. I have had Strangers, yeah. Which is like our Sabro 5% IPA Lola. Which is Lala, Lala, I, I think it might be the best table we've ever had. Oh, really? By the way, Amazing. yeah, Thank yeah, you. absolutely yeah. awesome. We, yeah, we've had loads of requests for that, mm. so we've got this extra tank. Hopefully, we'll be able to put a load more of those out. Nice. We've got like a couple of collaborations with local artists. Okay. So one of the things we want to do is instead of just collaborating with breweries, mm-hmm. we want to collaborate with people who think a little bit out out of the beer box. Okay try and create beers that reflect their way of thinking as well. Um, as it relates to the artwork or the, or the beer itself? Both. Yeah. We're just about to do a collaboration with Liv and Dom, who, uh, so like two names, Liv and Dom. Okay, yeah. And they're two twin sisters who live in Lewis, and okay. they're just really, yeah, amazing artists. And mm. they're going to be doing the labels, but also just talking to them a lot about like the kind of beers they like. Okay. Um, yeah, just trying not to just do things that are just about working within like the craft beer world. Right. I think I mentioned before we've got ten percent imperial style. Yeah. Oogla. Mm. What else have we got? Oh, we're planning. Uh, I mean, this hasn't been announced yet, so this this is nice this is exclusive. New we like exclusives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing uh, an ESB with Forest and Maine, okay. in Philadelphia. Yeah, cool. Um, using wild honey from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, so really excited about that. Brilliant. Also, brand new, we haven't announced this, is we're doing a double IPA with Boxcar. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so we have, we've not mentioned Boxcar so far, but I've been really impressed with what they've done this year so far. I mean, yeah, we really like Sam from there. Mm. Um, I think like in terms of collaborations, we're going to be trying to save like most of them for next year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the same, is it? You want to, you know, you want to get together in person, you want to brew mm. the beer. You want to have a piss up and a barbecue afterwards exactly. and it, the whole yeah, nine yeah. yards, don't you? It's not. Yeah. That's it. And we've like, we've made a vow to only collaborate with people that we're friends with as okay. well, because mm. I think sometimes it can just become a bit of like a marketing opportunity mm. and people see through that. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. We want to prove people, not only that we, we really like as brewers, but we are friends with too. Right. We've met and had time to like nice. Yeah. Had a nice conversation with them and discover whether we're like on the same wavelength. Yeah. And Sam from Boxcar, he came down like in summer, mm-hmm. just really got on with him. Cool. Love his beers. Mm. So yeah, it's just like a, a great match, I think. Excellent. So I've got two closing questions, Danny, but I, before I get into those, I usually ask the guest whether there's anything that you'd like to talk about that we didn't get to that you sort of came in this evening thinking, oh, I need to have a chat about that or I want to raise this. I guess what I would say is like, as we're approaching a lockdown now, is just like never underestimate how important it is as a consumer to buy a few beers from a local brewery. Yes. Like yeah. No one's saying go out and buy like a 24 case. They're just like, order a few beers if you really like beer like it's so important for the future and the survival of local breweries and 
speaking as someone who works in a brewery with just two people like every time an order comes through there's that sense of like oh we've got people out there who care nice. about the business yeah, yeah. and so like don't feel like you're not valued as a customer so it's easy to lose people, sight of that isn't it how personal yeah. of a relationship it is just you know you you, yeah. you see every order you pack every you know, every maybe you or robin you or robin packs it yeah. but somebody you know one of you two yeah. guys packs it and you see it and you mm. appreciate it yeah so if you if you put through an order like yeah me and robin receive it we appreciate it and we mm. will put like as much like care and as attention as we can to like packing your order and yeah. we appreciate it so yeah, so That's don't, great don't just support yeah. us, support lots of yeah. Theories, spread you know? spread your business around. Spread the world <laughs> is, is, is the word, and you know, yeah. and, and try and try and stay out of Tesco's if you can. Yeah, exactly. They don't need. It's to not know. easy. It's you know, <laughs> isn't the cheapest thing like buying craft beer? But we're not making any. Our gross profit margins are not like we're not making any extra money out of the cost. These beers are expensive to make. They really are, yeah. And you know, even if you just buy two or three of them, it like makes all the difference. Yeah, no, great point. Thanks for making that. Yeah. So let's get into the last two questions then, Danny. The first of those is what I call the shout out to the little guy. And here I'd like to invite you to mention a small local beer business that you're particularly impressed by. So this could be a brewer, but it could equally be a tap room or a pub or a cafe. Somebody in your ecosystem that you think is doing a great job, not necessarily just for the beak, but for furthering craft beer in East Sussex generally. Yeah, I really recommend Flock and Margate. So uh, you should check those guys out on Instagram. Um, like just the branding's really on point. Mm-hmm. The beer's really delicious. Um, just a small one-man team, as far as I know. I don't know too much about them, but they're based in Margate. Nano Brewery, they remind me a little bit of like where the beak started. Okay, nice. Beers ago. Yeah, yeah and i'd check him out i think like he has the potential to be you know a really great brewer knocking out some really interesting new england ipas Um, so yeah go check him out on instagram it's called flock f-l-o-c perfect i will do that thanks very much appreciate that any anybody a bit closer to home yeah at the moment a lot like because of lockdown i think a lot of places in lewis are really struggling yeah you know it's not london there's not millions of people here so what i would say is that if you ever come through to lewis so we get quite a lot of people coming from brighton some people come from london and they visit for the day and what i would say is like yes please do come through to the tap room but also just check out some of the other amazing pubs that we've got here yeah so i would probably give out a shout to three people in particular so there's the Brewer's Arms, which is a really good traditional family-owned pub at the top end of town. Right. And if you're a tourist, a lot of people don't go there because you know it's not like right in the center. Mm-hmm. They've got a great craft beer selection. Okay, nice. Really, really friendly, proper Louisian pub. Uh, the other one is Patch Beer Cafe. Mm-hmm. So they're really good small craft beer bottle shop slash craft beer pub right, right in the center really nice guy called patch who runs it and you'll just get talking to all the locals there they're amazing okay and then there's another if you if you're vegan or vegetarian there's Mm -hmm. like a plant-based burger restaurant called bun and bean okay and they've got a really good craft beer selection as well so fantastic yeah just like don't just come to us check out some other good kind of louisian haunts very nice. All right. That's lovely. I'll put all of those. I'll look up their Thank websites you. and put them all in the in the show Great. notes of the podcast. Thanks, Danny. So we are at the wrap-up question. And the wrap-up question is, 
what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And most importantly, what would you be drinking? I would be with my friends and family in a stone-flagged pub in Yorkshire, probably, mm-hmm. drinking a pint of cask beer. And it's going and to be old peculiar, is it? It could or be old peculiar. Or... It could be like Feaston's Best. Mm-hmm. It could even be Tetley's. Yeah, just like chatting next to an open fire, not talking about beer necessarily. No. <laughs> you know, we'd probably reflect on like how good condition the beer was in. Yes, but only just fleetingly, and then, then you get back to the proper conversation. Then you get back yeah. to the proper conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talking about like politics and all mm. sorts. And then, yeah, it'd be cold, windy, and rainy outside. Yeah, there'd be a fire, be fire burning yeah, exactly. in the grain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, too it's, it's, it's hard to argue with that. You could have given the same answer 100 years ago or 200 years ago, mm. couldn't you? And it wouldn't have been very different. Yeah, um, there's a reason like Casper still exists. You yeah, know? It's, yeah, it's amazing. Excellent. Danny, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you Thank very you. much for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Coming up in the next few weeks, we have interviews with some of the UK's most exciting craft breweries. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every Tuesday morning. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app. It really helps others to discover the show. Full details on all our podcasts can be found at thisweekincraft.beer. You can also follow This Week in Craft Beer on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube.